You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. I was planning to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope at the top of this week's show. It's the largest telescope ever hurled into space, a $10 billion price tag, 30 years in the planning. The Webb Telescope can peer into the deepest recesses of space and time, much farther out and much farther back than the Hubble Telescope. And the very first images from the Webb Telescope will be released today, Tuesday, July 11th, by the president. I'm excited. I think we're about to find out that the universe wasn't created in seven days and is more than 6,000 years old. And who knows, maybe we'll catch a glimpse of an alternate universe somewhere where the president went ahead and canceled student loan debt. Anyway, I don't want to come off like some sort of clout chaser, but I actually have a very weird, very tenuous, and very aggravating connection to the James Webb Space Telescope, thanks to the New York Times, the paper of record, all the news that's fit to print, first draft of history and all that. And maybe I'll talk about that on another show. Because today, I want to talk about some breaking news, porn news, news that's a bit more in the wheelhouse of a sex advice podcast, or a bit more in the whorehouse or bathhouse or molly house of a sex advice podcast. And it's good news for a change. I feel like it's been forever since I've been able to open the show with some good news. So that's why I'm not going to rehearse my beef with the New York Times and New York Times science reporter Dennis Overby today on this week's show about how they described me or Overby accused me of leading some sort of campaign that doesn't exist to get James Webb's name off that telescope. James Webb was an administrator at NASA in the 1960s when they put a man on the moon But before working at NASA, James Webb was an undersecretary of state in the Truman administration during the Lavender Scare. He oversaw the firing of gay men and lesbians from the State Department. And there were some rumblings in 2015 about getting his name off the telescope. And I wrote a piece at the time arguing against trying to get James Webb's name off that telescope. I literally wrote in 2015, we have bigger problems Can we not do this, please? 2015, we arguably had much bigger problems by late 2021, which is when I saw a headline in the New York Times about a push. I assumed a renewed push to rename the James Webb Space Telescope, to take Webb's name off it. And I rolled my eyes and started to read the piece, wondering who was still out there pushing this rename the telescope bullshit. So you can imagine my surprise when I got to paragraph four and discovered that it was me. The New York Times said I was behind the effort to rename the telescope based on my 2015 blog post in which I argued that we should not rename the telescope. I pointed out the error on Twitter at the time, October 2021, and asked for a correction and never got one. So that piece in the New York Times fingering me as the force behind some non-existent push to rename the James Webb Space Telescope is still up at the New York Times. They're still fingering me. And the fingering is interfering with my ability to celebrate this momentous day. But like I said, I'm not going to talk about that. 
But if you want to learn more about the history of the Lavender Scare, read James Kirchick's amazing new book, Secret City, The Hidden History of Gay Washington. All right, on to the good news I promised you at the beginning of this rant. Good news out of Oregon, where a jury awarded former nursing student Nicole Gilliland $1.73 million after finding that administrators at the nursing school she attended, Southwestern Oregon Community College, discriminated against Gilliland after learning she had briefly been a porn performer a decade before she enrolled in nursing school. Gustavo Turner, who's been all over the Gilliland story from the start, reports in xbiz.com, after a protracted process extended by the school's reluctance to acknowledge wrongdoing, Gilliland and her lawyers convinced the jury in a day, they only deliberated for a day, about the merits of her claim that in 2017, one of the staffers told her she could not be a nurse because she was, quote, an unclassy woman. And then, again quoting, records were altered to make her flunk out of the nursing program where she had been excelling. Gilliland is now a law student in Massachusetts and a sex workers' rights advocate. And thanks to those dumbass, sexphobic, whorephobic, pornphobic, unclassy, and very assy motherfuckers at Southwestern Oregon Community College, it looks like Gilliland is going to graduate from law school in this universe without any student loan debt. This is a victory. And a victory in disguise for people who don't want other people who make porn to keep making porn. Look, anti-porn crusaders, if you make it impossible for someone who has made porn to do something else, to do anything else, what other choice do they have than to keep making porn? And a lot of us have been making a lot of porn over the last few years. There are a lot of newly minted porn stars out there. The number of people with accounts on OnlyFans, which is just one of the self-produced porn sites on the internet, the number of creators, as OnlyFans calls them, exploded, going from 120,000 creators at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 to more than a million creators by the end of 2021. And those are just the people out there trying to make money making porn. Lots of people are out there sexting and sending nudes and sharing best practices their solicited dick pics. Look, anti-porn crusaders, the barrier to entry to the porn business has never been so low. Literally everyone is carrying a porn studio around in their pocket. Anyone with a smartphone and access to Wi-Fi at a Starbucks can be a porn producer, director, and star these days. So with that being the case, with the barrier to entry being set so low, you don't want to set the barrier to exit too high. You shouldn't want the barrier to exiting porn to exist at all. You don't want to turn making porn into some sort of porny hotel California you can get on OnlyFans anytime you like, but you can never leave. Sorry about that, everybody. Look, if you want people to stop making porn, don't stop them from becoming nurses or doctors or paramedics or lawyers or teachers or airline pilots or weed store owners or podcasters instead. Haha, uh, just kidding about that podcaster's part. There's no degree required to podcast, no podcasting licensing authority exists. There's no podcast bar association. Being a podcaster is like being a modern dancer. Get your hands on a mic or a leotard or both, and you can sit with us. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's. And joining us on the Magnum, Andrew Gerza, disability rights activist and thought leader, returns 
with some sex and masturbation tips for the disabled and some sex toy recommendations. The Magnum Lovecast, as you've heard me say a million times, twice as long, more calls, more guests, no ads. And Magnum Savage Lovecast subscribers also get access to Sex and Politics, a new bonus podcast we're doing just for Magnum subs. And this week we've got a new one coming out with author, writer, and substacker Phoebe maltz Bovi. Phoebe and I talk about Drag Queen Story Hour, straight ladies, whether they're boring or not, and gender-conforming kids, whether they exist or not. That's on S&P coming out Thursday. But right now, right now, right in your ears right now, this week's Savage Lovecast. Me Undies makes feel-good underpants your butt will be proud to wear and you will be proud to be seen in. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out yourself, go to MeUndies.com slash savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Talkspace, online therapy that makes it easy to get extra mental health support. For $100 off your first month, go to Talkspace.com and use the offer code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. Uh, late 30s. Bye, guy here. I am in a committed relationship with my wife. We have an open relationship. And I just recently started dating again and met someone who I really click with. Um, what I'm basically looking for is like a friends with benefit situation. I'm a submissive guy. This woman is a top. We have really awesome chemistry. We've chatted a bunch, you know, prior to the date between uh the first date and the second date we had great two dates so far and my issue is that this person sweats a lot um and i know that we are all human beings who sweat uh, and do other bodily functions but i find sweat in particular to be really disgusting <laughs> even though i sweat when i sweat i find it to be like unpleasant and need to change my shirt. I have my wife carry around an extra shirt uh, in her purse for me. I don't know. I just, I, I find it to be like uh, yucky. I know that's judgy and weird. And I think it's probably related to like, you know, some past trauma potentially, but we're all humans who sweat. I, my primary partner sweats. I still want to hang out with this new person. I think I want to be intimate with this person. I think the more that we like get to know another human being, the more I get to know a human being, the less something like this bothers me. But this is a thing that keeps coming up with new people. Like I live in a pretty hot city, but if they show up to like the first date and they're like sweating a lot, which we do and we're nervous, sometimes I do it, but not as much as, I don't know, this person. It's just like, it's a huge turnoff for me. And I just, I would like to know how to overcome this. So if you've gotten to know someone, if it's not the first or second date, if you've developed a real emotional connection with someone, you can get past or get over the fact that your new sex partner, like all other mammals, including the person that you're seeing, when they get overheated, glands on their skin release moisture, which as it evaporates, causes the body to cool you know, I don't want to ruin sex with all other humans and all other mammals for you, but we all sweat all the time, up to a quart a day, whether or not we're sweating so much in one moment that you can see it, that someone's 
actively, obviously perspiring and is damp and, you know, pitting out. Everyone's sweating all the time. But, but again, if you have a really strong emotional connection with someone, if you've established attraction and you've gotten to know them a bit, you get past those, which means I guess you're kind of like a demisexual, but for sweat, uh, what can you do about it? Well, uh, how much do you want to invest in overcoming this? Maybe you could spend some money on a cognitive behavioral therapist and really attempt to work past this aversion or this phobia, or you could work around it. You could have sex and walk in coolers. You could move to a less heat, hot city. It's almost July here in Seattle where I am, and it is currently 60 degrees overcast and freezing here right now. I had to turn the heat on in the podcast booth because I was shivering. Come to Seattle, no one is noticeably, although all mammals are always sweating and perspiring, no one here right now is noticeably perspiring. But if you're gonna be in the city where you live and it's a hot city, if you're in Phoenix or Los Angeles or San Diego or Dallas, you're just gonna have to get past it, maybe with the help of a cognitive behavioral therapist, or you're just gonna have to tough it out. You're gonna have to go on a couple of dates, you're gonna have to get to know someone, you're gonna have to sweat demisexual your way out of this problem with each individual person that you get with and that you sweat with, because you will be sweating with them. Whether you know it or not, whether you can see it or not, all of your sex partners are sweating all the time, you included. Hey Dan, sis het. 25-year-old female here. I am calling for some advice about my relationship with my boyfriend. Uh, We've been together for a year and a half and there's nothing, I guess, like wrong. He's my best friend. Uh, We have a lot in common. He's really sweet. I just can't shake this feeling that I've had since the beginning that it's not the right relationship for me. And there's just something in me that feels like it's not going to work out. And I don't know if I need to like listen to my gut, listen to what I've been thinking from the start, or I go back and forth of thinking that maybe I'm a perfectionist and maybe I have unrealistic ideas about what love is and about whatever. But I guess it's also worth mentioning that, like, for some reason I had a really hard time, like, telling him that I loved him. And I I think I do. I just, I just don't want to drag this out longer than I should because I do really care about him and I don't want to hurt him. And I feel like, like, he's definitely a little more invested than me. And so I don't want to, like, drag this on longer than I should, but also, like, it is a great relationship. So I'm just kind of stuck here. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you have commitment issues. Maybe you have unrealistic expectations. Maybe you had the kind of upbringing that makes it hard for you to identify what love is or what a loving relationship might feel like. But even if all of that were true, even if the problem was you or the problems were yours. Those are problems. Those are things you're going to have to work through probably on your own. I doubt though that the problem is 
you. You have been ambivalent about this relationship. You say from the start, you were reluctant to say, I love you, probably, you know, based on how you describe him as being more invested in the relationship from the start than you've been. Probably you were hesitant to say, I love you in response to his having said, I love you. And Someone can be your best friend and you can have a lot in common and you can have a great rapport and a great relationship, but they're not the right romantic partner for you forever. Look, it's only been, just to zoom out for a second, it's only been a year and a half. You say that you're 25. If he's close to the same age, uh, he'll get over you. If you break up with him, he'll be sad. His heart will be broken. People talk about broken hearts in advance of having their hearts broken or having to break somebody else's heart as if broken hearts are fatal. And look around. We're surrounded by people who got dumped. We're surrounded by people who got dumped out of the blue, unexpectedly, who had relationships, and people walk out on them. And they're shattered. And yet, they reassemble somehow emotionally, romantically. They wind up in new relationships with people who actually don't feel ambivalent or don't feel overwhelmingly or overwhelmed by ambivalence as you do. You know, there's always going to be ambivalence in any relationship. There's always going to be the what if, what if somebody else, grass is greener, the life you could have led, different choices you could have made. That is something that everyone in an LTR experiences. But if the ambivalence is overwhelming, and it's overwhelming, what, 18 months into this relationship? Sounds like it's been overwhelming since the beginning of this relationship. Eh, you should probably get out. You're in a long-term relationship and every once in a while you're like, oh, I could do better. Every once in a while you're like, oh, there are certain needs that I don't get met in this relationship that I'm always going to be a little annoyed about not getting those needs met and having to kind of eat that I don't get those needs met. That you can live with. But staying with someone for the rest of your life, for the next, you're 25 years old, the next 50 years, 60 years, because you don't want to hurt them because you like them, but don't love them? Is that really something you can do for five more decades? And you're 25 fucking years old. If you end this relationship and you get into therapy and you give yourself some space and some time and you realize that the problem was yours and he was right for you and you want to get back together with him, well, if he's still single two years from now, where you're both still very young, you can circle back. You can possibly get back together, but you probably won't want to. Because just based on everything you've said, there is no the one. I'm not going to say I don't think he's the one for you. I don't think he's right for you. Somebody else, many other possible someone else's out there could be right for you. But based on everything that you're saying now, and just not to read too much into the crying and the tone of your voice, based on how you sound, he ain't it. And don't do that narcissistic pivot that some people do to paralyze themselves, where you tell yourself that you can't dump this guy because he'll never get over the heartbreak. Lady, he'll get over you.
and you'll get over this. You'll get over it. You'll get over the end of this relationship. And one day you'll be in a better place and a new relationship, possibly even a new relationship with this same guy. This episode is brought to you by me, Undies. Their lounge pants aren't really a summer thing, but we aren't really having a summer here in Seattle. It has been cold and wet. The only upside, I get to wear my comfy me undies lounge pants into July. Don't tell Nancy, but I'm wearing them right now. If you're having a hot summer where you are, don't fret. Me Undies has all sorts of wonderful and comfortable pieces that will keep you looking good and help you stay cool. Me Undies is famous for having the lightest and most breathable fabrics, fabrics that keep you cool and comfortable even in the heat. From undies, bralettes, and socks to loungewear and swimwear, and of course, those undies, Me Undies has everything you need. MeUndies releases new prints all the time, like their limited edition Pride collection, which is still available because Pride ain't just for June. Nancy loves their new octopus print. Terry looks amazing in his new martini glass print boxer briefs. And my boyfriend looks so good in his MeUndies briefs that I can't keep my eyes or my hands off him. With MeUndies, you can match prints or styles or colors with your partner, your friends, or even your dog. Find your ultimate summer comfort in sizes extra small to 4XL. And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off. For a limited time, if you sign up with their free to join MeUndies membership, you get 25% off your first membership item. You get 15% off your first order, 25% off your first membership item, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundies.com slash savage let them know the lovecast sent you go to meundies.com slash savage yeah how you doing um it's gonna be a pretty scattered question but uh yeah i consider myself uh primarily hetero and i'm interested in what they call high wifing not really cuckolding but the question more is whether it's considered bisexual semi-common question but i think uh i'd be a lot more candid and hopefully insightful about why I think I'm interested in it, which is a little bit confusing to me. And also that maybe I think that because of my background is uh, would be more insightful for people that may be interested that are considered straight, including myself. And also I just would love to delve deeper into the possible psychology as to why hot wiping and or cuckolding, as they call it, would be an interest to myself and many others. People tend to lump cuckolds together with uh, stags, people tend to lump cuckolding together with hot wifing. And both scenarios do involve, and we're just going to talk about straight scenarios here, both scenarios do involve a man sleeping with some other man's wife or girlfriend. In a cuckolding scenario, the wife has the power, the girlfriend has the power. She is sleeping with other men, you know, theoretically, whether her husband likes it or not, usually the husband likes it very much in a cuckolding kink scenario. But she has the power and she is rubbing his nose, her husband or boyfriend's nose, in his inadequacy. He is being humiliated and degraded when his wife or girlfriend sleeps with some other man. In a hot wifing scenario, the man who's allowing someone else to sleep with his wife or girlfriend, rather than his status being degraded, his status is being exalted. He is the kind of guy who attracted this really hot woman. He's got a really hot wife, really hot girlfriend. And he has the power in the relationship to such an extent that he can share 
his wife or girlfriend with another man. He can give his wife or girlfriend to another man. Now, we're talking about an erotic role play scenario, hot wifing, if it's not coercive, doesn't involve one man forcing his wife or girlfriend to sleep with other men, whether she likes it or not. It is consensual, and she is sleeping with other men that he wants her to sleep with, just like the cock who's into degradation is enjoying the degradation. He's a sub. His need is being met. Uh, a wife and a hot wife situation is getting her needs met too. It's it's symbolic power and control, right? Everything in the world is about sex except sex. Sex is about power, but it's about eroticized power. And when properly sort of folded into a relationship, the power play in any kind of sexual encounter and kink encounter is consensual. Now, is there something necessarily gay or bi or homoerotic about hot wifing or cuckolding? Well, it kind of depends on the cuckold, kind of depends on the stag. There are some cuckolds out there who are heteroflexible or bisexual, but they enjoy their male-male play in the context of a scenario or a scene where it's being forced on them, where they are submitting to the wife's male partner, you know, eating his cream pie or maybe sucking his dick or cleaning his dick off or lubing his dick up so he can stick it in the wife. And there is, you know, male-male contact there, but it's filtered through, you know, a heterosexual conceit. Are some of those guys by Abso-fucking-lutely. Are they gay? No. There are cuckolds, though, who have no contact with their wives or girlfriends' bulls. They may not even be in the room. They may not even want to watch. With hot wifing, it's uncommon, I think, in a hot wife scenario for the husband or boyfriend to submit to the guy who is sleeping with his wife. Because in a hot wife scenario, the cuckold or the, you know, the guy who's sharing his wife or girlfriend isn't being degraded. Nothing's being taken from him. Again, indeed, on the, you know, it's very different. It's not the boyfriend or husband submitting. It's the boyfriend or husband controlling and sharing. And it emphasizes his status and dominance. It does involve, you know, the in a hot wife scenario, the stag wants to be there, you know, then it's kind of a threesome. Some threesomes, the dudes in an MMF threesome will have some incidental homoerotic content that's sort of, I guess, straight washed by the presence of the woman. Does that make either guy gay? No, no, it doesn't. Not necessarily. It depends on not just what's going on, you know, uh, with their skin or, you know, bumping shoulders or bumping dicks. It depends on what's going on between their ears. Now, I do think there are straight guys out there who are turned on by watching other guys fuck. What is most straight porn? Most straight porn isn't women all by themselves. Most straight porn or most porn created for straight men isn't, you know, lesbian porn, although a lot of it is. Most of it, the overwhelming majority of porn produced for the heterosexual male consumer involves some other guy's dick. Is there something gay about watching heterosexual porn featuring opposite sex actors, performers getting it on? I don't think so. Now, there may be some people out there consuming opposite sex porn, some guys who identify as straight 
who are looking at that dick and thinking, I want a taste of that. And maybe they're just a little bit bi or situationally bi or into some forced bi scenario. But most guys who watch straight porn with opposite sex porn performers are not into the dick, but they're turned on by the sight of it. They're turned on by watching the fucking. I think that's what's going on for most guys into hot wifing. You're watching basically live bespoke porn performed for you by your female partner and a man, theoretically, erotically role play-ish, a man of your choosing. You are in control. The, the stag in that scenario is in control. Is he into the dick? Well, maybe some stags are, but if you're not into the dick, just being into the hot wifing or just being into the cuckolding doesn't make you bi and it doesn't make you gay. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your presence and growing your business or creative or political project online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell stuff. In the past couple of years, a lot of us have reorganized how we do business and get our creative work done. Squarespace can really help you to put yourself out there and run your projects efficiently. They have so many features that I can't get to them all in this ad, but I'm going to list off a few. Member areas. Squarespace makes it easy for you to monetize your content and expertise in a way that fits your style. With member areas, sell access to your content like classes or online courses or newsletters. Email campaigns. Collect email subscribers and convert them into loyal customers. Start with an email template and customize it by applying your special sauce ingredients like site colors and logo. Built-in analytics measure the impact of every send, baby. Blogging tools. Squarespace has the tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. Categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Seriously, there is so much more. Squarespace is like your savvy business partner. They think of everything. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the youth. I'm a bisexual cis woman in my late 40s living in the East Coast. I've always considered myself sex-positive mom of two teens. I've always been really open with my kids about sex. We talk about pleasure and feminism as well as consent. And I've even listened to your show with my daughter, who's almost 15. But now I have a dilemma about setting boundaries without shaming. A few days ago, I was in my daughter's room cleaning it while she was out of town. And I came across a stash of sex toys that had long been missing from a box my uh, husband and I keep under our bed. Let me say they hadn't been used for a long time. Uh, specifically, I found a nice dildo, my leather harness, a butt plug, some handcuffs, and a small pink vibrator. Dan, there is nothing to kill your sex-positive vibe like discovering your teenage daughter has been using your leather harness and strap-on. Let me say that she came out as gay this year, and we've been really open and supportive. Um, we've let her girlfriend stay over for a few days at a time. We've been just really 
positive about the her relationships and her identity. Um, let me say I was in the closet as a queer person in high school. I didn't get to have girlfriends then. There was a part of me now that's super psyched about her identity and even maybe living vicariously through her experiences. I'm married to a straight cis man. And God, you know, I would love to fuck a woman with a strap on before I die. So there are all these layers here. You know, Dan, she can't just take our sex toys. What do I do? I already took them back. I washed and sanitized them. But now I need to talk with her about boundaries and respecting her parents' privacy. But do I offer to buy her own toys or maybe give her a gift card for her birthday for some online feminist sex toy shop so she can just order them for herself and I don't need to know what she likes or what she's using? I I don't really want to know. But she's not 18. Like, how? what are options here? And how can we move through this without shame and recrimination? Because honestly... I'm kind of pissed and I'm kind of jealous and it just feels like a big mess. Pissed, I can understand. Jealous? Living vicariously through your queer daughter and the assumptions you're making based on the sex toys that you found in her room, your sex toys that you found in her room. I think you're going to want to stuff that down. You don't want to be living vicariously through your lesbian teenage daughter that just feels like an unhealthy psychosexual emotional dynamic there. You can acknowledge that your daughter's having experiences that you as a closeted queer young person didn't have. And I think you can feel your feelings about that, but I, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the way you talk about living vicariously with your daughter. Anyway, what I really want to say is you have every right to be pissed. And I predict that your daughter is going to be Equally pissed about the invasion of her privacy. Kids are weird. You know, when sex toys go missing in a house with teenagers, leprechauns didn't break into your house and steal your sex toys. They weren't, um, you know, zapped up in a UFO by curious space aliens. Your kids took them. Teenagers. We were all teenagers once. Teenagers. They go through the house with a fine tooth comb Whatever you as adults are attempting to hide from them, they are going to find. I don't think a teenager who has stolen mom and dad's dusty old strap-on that they haven't used in a while is in any position to be pissed about the invasion of her privacy when you, mom, you say you went into her room to clean it. And I'm sure you did, and I'm sure it was a mess, but that's not how, assuming you're being honest with me about going in there only to clean Uh, It's not how your daughter is going to perceive that. She's going to see that cleaning as opportunistic, as an attempt not really to clean her room, not to vacuum under the bed, but to search through her stuff. And when you searched through her stuff, you found your stuff. Yeah, you have every right to be pissed. Tell her you're pissed. Tell her not to touch your stuff. Tell her that she has to respect your privacy, and then brace yourself for her screaming and yelling at you about your failure to respect hers. Because if you'd only respected her privacy, then you wouldn't have discovered that she hadn't respected yours. Teen logic, you will be subjected to it. As for what to do, 
well, whether you want to give your teenage daughter sex toys of her own, this has come up again and again and again with parents who consider themselves sex positive. And I'm generally kind of pro 15, 16, 17 years old, too young to get into a sex toy shop, but old enough to be sexually active. You're letting your girlfriend sleep over with her. That's very kind of Euro parenting. That's very Dutch or Danish of you. And hey, American parents who freak out about Dutch or Danish parents letting their high school age kids, romantic and sexual partners spend the night in the house. Yeah, those Dutch and Danish parents Uh, Their kids, lower rates of sexually transmitted infections, lower rates of unplanned pregnancies, lower rates of intimate partner violence because, yeah, I think those Dutch and Danish parents are doing something right. So I'm coming to your defense preemptively in case anybody out there is freaking out about you letting your gay daughter's girlfriend spend the night. I guess the question is, do you have to supply your daughter with a strap-on dildo Because there's this implicit threat that if you don't give her one of her own, she's going to swipe yours again or obtain a strap-on dildo on the strap-on dildo black market at her high school. Yeah, you can do that. You know, you can order those things on fucking Amazon. You can go to your daughter and give her a gift card for a sex-positive, woman-owned, feminist sex toy shop. You can also just give her an Amazon card and tell her, you know what? I won't search your room again. You don't search my room ever again. I also won't search boxes coming to the house addressed to you from Amazon or this particular sex positive sex toy store where your daughter is likelier to get, if indeed she wants to get higher quality, safer sex toys than she would on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by Talkspace. Using Talkspace feels like having a therapist in your pocket. Being able to reach out to your therapist or your psychiatrist anytime from anywhere with your smartphone makes taking care of your mental health super easy. You can be more relaxed when traveling, knowing if you need to talk with your therapist. You can just send a message from wherever you are. Working through things in therapy can be tough, but connecting with a therapist shouldn't be. That's why I wholeheartedly recommend therapy for so many of my listeners, and I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace, which is a great way to find a therapist you click with and connect with that therapist easily on your own schedule and when you need to. You can sign up online and start therapy the same day that you sign up. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist, so it's incredibly convenient. It is easy to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home or your hotel room or wherever you are. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. Instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7, and they'll engage with you daily five days a week. And Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. As a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code SAVAGE to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the Lovecast. That's SAVAGE at Talkspace.com, but don't do it for us. Do it for you. Hey, Dan. This is a uh, 
gay guy in the uh, Midwest. Basically, in the pandemic, like all of us, I got super horny and locked down. And uh, I found an old message board that I had started years and years ago when I was still straight or, you know, quote unquote straight, you know, and it, it was just for chatting and jerking off with other guys. And in my profile, I said I was straight because I was straight and I got back on it. And holy shit, the profile is still there. And I uh, got on it. I started chatting with someone and he and I became really good friends in the pandemic. And we really hit it off and for a while. We were kind of our each other's only conversation in a lot of ways. And we would jerk off a couple times a week and we were good buddies. Flash forward to Almost a year later, we've never met. He's across the country, and uh, he saw something. I, I had given him my name, and he looked me up, and he was like, "Holy shit, you're gay!" I, you know, he, he saw my profile and was like, "Hey, it looks like you kind of are with a lot of men. Are you gay? What is this?" And I, I said, "Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I did not. I really did not mean to like do this. I just kind of like we started a relationship in one way, and all of a sudden it was that way. Yeah, and it was, he was cool with it. We eventually figured it out." Then yesterday I went online and I saw a picture of someone that looked exactly like him. And then I followed that profile and found he is also gay, also totally out in the city that he's in. And uh, it's fucking weird. And now I don't know what to do. We're both people who were pretending to be straight, like a bad rom-com. And I want to call him out and I kind of want to give him shit because he kind of gave me some shit for lying to him. Anyway, I don't know what to do. It's so weird when the guys you meet on the internet to jack off with turn out to be gay. That is so weird. What a plot twist. Look, go ahead and give this guy shit. What do you have to lose? He gave you shit when he figured out that you were lying about being one of those straight guys who goes on the internet looking for other guys to jack off with during Zoom calls, I guess, on the internet. He gave you shit maybe because he's really that kind of twisted, out-of-the-closet case, or maybe he just wanted to sustain your fantasy, your investment in him as a straight guy, that he was engaged as you were engaged, maybe in a kind of homoerotic, homosexual <laughs> role-playing where you were getting off on what you were getting away with. You were getting off on being perceived to be straight by this other guy that you were sharing these hot, sexy times with when you were both jacking the fuck off to entertain each other. And so maybe, you know, he was just sustaining the ruse. He was sustaining the, you know, the game. You know, you thought he was straight. That was part of what turned him on about you. He was role-playing straight. And so he continued with the role-play, not to bust you or punish you for being gay and out of the closet, but maybe he wanted to keep jacking off with you or maybe he wanted you to continue to enjoy the memories of jacking off with that hot straight guy during the pandemic on the other side of the country. Who knows? But you have literally nothing to lose here. So say to him, hey, look, I gave you my name. You looked me up. You figured out I was gay. Guess what? I looked you up, figured out you were gay too. This is hilarious. Maybe you can then laugh about it. Maybe he'll then open up to you about why he gave you grief. And I don't think it sounds like he gave you a shitload of grief. Maybe he was just teasing you, playing with you, playing with you in a way that had been established 
that he had established that you both established that you liked playing with each other, which was that you liked playing with each other under the belief, assumption, assertion that you were just a couple of straight guys on the internet having a wank with other straight guys on the internet. You can continue with that role play. You can meet up with him still. Or hey, maybe you two can date. Maybe you can get together and get your gay on in person without having to put your straight masks on first. And you're right. This does sound like a really great premise for a rom-com. Not a bad rom-com. A good rom-com. We are entering what looks like a golden age of gay rom-coms that are honest about who and what gay men are and how gay men behave. Really enjoyed Joel Kim Booster's Fire Island. Really looking forward to Billy Eichner's Bros. There's a film called Spoiler Alert that has rom-com elements that's coming out in the fall that I had something to do with. And yeah, I would watch yours. I watched the shit out of Fire Island. Love it. I loved the trailer for Bros. Can't wait to see it. If somebody made your story into a rom-com, ah, I'd watch the shit out of that too. And I don't think it's a bad rom-com. I think it's a great idea for a rom-com. If you don't write it, maybe I will. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Starbuck37 tweets, thank you, Fake Dan Savage, for the on-point advice this week and for picking my call. My poly world is stable and continuing to be a blast. Also, you're my inaugural tweet, hashtag Savage Lovecast, hashtag Polly Pride, hashtag aspiring accountant. You're welcome, Starbuck37. And I don't think those three hashtags, hashtag Savage Lovecast, hashtag Polly Pride, hashtag aspiring accountant, have ever appeared side by side in a single tweet before your inaugural tweet, Starbuck. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the tweet. And I am proud to be your very first follower on Twitter. Lil Ricky tweets at fake Dan Savage going on a rant about a new term describing sexual attraction is so funny to me when he is literally campaigning to get pegging added to the dictionary. I say bring on the specificity hashtag polysexual. The comparison you're trying to make there, Ricky, would only make sense if there were already three or four names for pegging and I was trying to get another one off the ground, like the people out there pushing polysexual, when bisexual, pansexual, omnisexual, and pomosexual already exist, already have their own pride flags, and pretty much all mean the exact same thing. Pegging was a thing, its own thing, it needed a name, now it has a name, just one name that belongs in the dictionary and not any dictionary, I'm not out here campaigning to get pegging added to Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster can go fuck herself. I want pegging in the Oxford English Dictionary. Nothing less than the OED will do. And finally, Jamie Barton herself tweets, I already knew I'd be a magnum sub for Dan Savage's Savage Lovecast for Life, but I love the idea of getting to be a guest sexpert every once in a while. And Dan, call me anytime. Jamie, we will definitely have you back on the Lovecast. Everybody loved you. Come try your hand sometime and non-vocal cord throat fucking related sex advice. All right. If you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And thank you to everyone who posted about the show this week to your social media accounts. Helps get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. And now listener response calls. This is for the caller from episode 819, who has the boyfriend who's a bad kisser. 
Maybe it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but as someone married to a bad kisser for over 20 years now, I urge you to think it over. Imagine not having a proper makeout in decades. It's too late for me now, caller. Save yourself. This call is in response to episode 819 about the gay guy who feels like he needs to just overcome this hurdle of not sleeping with guys or meeting up with them on Grindr. And while I think Dan's advice was good, I just want to also say, like, what's pushing you to have sex with guys? Like, if you're not feeling it with someone, don't have sex with them. That's the way I've always operated. And granted, I am really picky, but I've still managed some really great relationships and some great sex because I just didn't do things that my gut said no to. I just waited, you know, sometimes impatiently, but I just waited until eventually my gut did feel good about somebody. And then it ended up being great. Dan, thank you so much for talking on last week's opener about all the different ways to say that you're attracted to multiple genders. You definitely saved me having to call you with a very anxious question. I'm a 30-year-old cis bi gal, and I selected the label bi for myself a while ago uh, when we had fewer options, and still feel like it fits well, but I do occasionally get some pushback or criticism from folks saying I shouldn't use bi because some people use bi in a trans-exclusionary way. I've never felt that bisexual is trans-exclusionary. My partner's trans and also bi, and neither of our sexual orientations have ever stopped me from loving her. So thank you so much for the reassurance. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. Submissions for the new 2023 edition of Hump, my dirty little porn film festival, are now live. If you're curious about submitting to Hump but worried you don't have the filmmaking chops, please don't worry about that. We love the do-it-yourself, filmed-on-a-phone movies. I prefer them to glossy, pro-looking films. And don't forget that movies that make it into the festival compete for awards and receive a cut of the ticket sales. Go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit for all the info you need about making and submitting a film for Hump. Once again, humpfilmfest.com slash submit. And while you're on the internet, be sure to stop by savage.love and read my weekly sex advice column, Savage Love. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Andrew Gerza on Twitter at AndrewGerza1. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy will all be back at you next week with our installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.